Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hello, and welcome to The Cannonball, a podcast attempt to read all of the books in the Western canon. As I posted last time, I'll be speaking at the Intelligence Speech Conference in New York on June 29th. More information on the conference can be found at intelligencespeechconference.com and use the promo code BALLROOM for a 5% discount. But we left it up to you, the listeners, to determine the topic of my lecture. It appears that you want to hear me talk about a canonical work that I really like. Well, it turns out that the canonical work that I really like that I really want to talk about, and that means a lot to me personally, is also a work that entails ontological epistemological crisis and can be considered as a kind of forerunner to the chaotic poetics that I've been studying for the past few years. It's Wallace Stevens' long poem, Notes Toward a Supreme Fiction. It breaks my heart, but it appears that Stevens has become an unfamiliar name among readers, so I thought I'd take the opportunity to give some background on the writer, his work, and on the work I intend to discuss. Stevens was born in 1879 in Reading, Pennsylvania. He was a pretty proficient student in middle and high school, and after that enrolled at Harvard as a special student, which basically meant three years of a general humanities education without the possibility of a degree. While he was there, he got involved in the school's literary magazines and flexed his muscles in a variety of genres. After his time at Harvard, he moved to New York to try to make it as a cub reporter. He wrote a few surviving sketches, but mostly worked very hard for very little pay, and ultimately took his father's advice to go back to school to study law. He enrolled at the New York School of Law, and while on a vacation back home, met the woman who would become his wife. He finished his degree, passed the bar, got a job as an insurance lawyer, got married, and did his best to make it as a New York businessman. He wasn't writing, but he did try to make some inroads into the art scene at the time. In the mid-teens, he turned back to writing and got a handful of poems published, but his ber- first book didn't emerge until later, after he'd taken a job with the Hartford Accident and Indemnity Company, and felt financially stable enough to pursue his hobby with more vigor. The result was Harmonium, a work that already shows Stephen's style fully formed, not surprising since it was published when the author was already in his 40s. Stevens went quiet for nearly a decade, but in 1933, he produced Ideas of Order, a continuation and refinement of the styles and themes of his first volume. In 
1936 saw the release of Al's Clover and the Man with the Blue Guitar. In 1942, he produced Parts of a World. Transport to Summer came in 1947, and Auroras of Autumn was published in 1950. Stevens died in 1955, and Opus Posthumus, a collection of later uncollected works, was released three years later. The general idea of Stevens' work promulgated through the mid-century was that his poetic career could be considered as the antithetical opposite of his business career, that he was something of an ordinary drudge by day and by night a high-flying imaginative thinker. There are parts of his life that can seem to uphold this notion. He apparently worked the same two miles to and from work six days a week, giving the careless observer the impression of drone-like behavior. And yet, according to his poetry, the ability to rejuvenate through observation the same repetitive mundane scene is the prime function of poetic imagination. Many of the ideas of his poetry, sometimes even just the title, occurred in the office, and his job focusing on surety bonds required the development of workable fictions, imaginative scenarios of every possible potential disaster that could befall a construction project in order to do the work of predicting whether or not a job could be insured. Stephen's life was not one of binary oppositions, but an interplay of complementary and contrasting elements. Stephen's work is often heavily metaphorical, impressionistic, suggestive of an idea or meaning, abstract, and resistant to easy explication. The abstraction that he insisted upon means that you both can and can't easily make meaning of the thing. Meaning is there to make because the broad frame exists, but the singular details are blurry because supplied by the individual imagination of the reader. Stephen's tone is often elegiac, and while his meter is mostly free verse, is a free verse that tends toward the iambic. Stevens, particularly in his long poems, will utilize a three-line stanza, and while the work is impressionistic in nature, the structure of his poems is often highly dialectical. An idea or thought will be, to rip off from the poet's own man with the blue guitar, ticked, tocked, and turned about in a variety of ways until the poet reaches a resolution. The key with Stevens, though, is that his resolutions are often acknowledgments of the ways that, if we think clearly and well enough, no ultimate resolution is ever possible. And yet, having wrestled with the thing can produce the sensation of fulfillment through the act of having wrestled with it. Notes to Word of Supreme Fiction exemplifies many of the qualities that I really love about Stevens. It's a poem that I spent way too much time with. I accidentally memorized huge swaths of it by reading it so many times on the subway. I'll talk in more detail on the day about why I find it so moving, but I want to take the opportunity now to give a little bit of an overview. The poem was composed and published in the midst of World War II, and it can be read as an attempt to resist the totalitarian impulses and totalitarian narratives that animated many modern ideologies. The title itself reveals this. It comes from a conversation Stevens had with a younger colleague in which the older man argued that if there could be any metaphysical belief in the world, it must be a belief in a supreme fiction, a totalizing fantasy acknowledged as fantasy, ultimately a contradiction in terms. Yet, this paradoxical contradiction can serve the function of provisional meaning or, in the poet's own terms, what will suffice. The title takes the idea one step further. The poem is not the fiction itself, but notes toward it, the blueprint for the thing that describes the parameters for its ultimate construction, a construction that the poem acknowledges can never be achieved. In some ways, the poem is an Ars Poetica, but it's an Ars Poetica with a difference as Stevens is something of an existential aestheticist, always concerned with the ways that imagination and aesthetics can be a way to develop meaning in a world without inherent meaning. 
The poem is in three parts, labeled as directives for the work. It must be abstract, it must change, and it must give pleasure. Each section is a meditation on its titular imperative, moving back and forth in dialectical fashion to reach equivocal conclusions about the whole, all culminating in the examination of how we can find meaning in a world that often seems without inherent meaning or which resists meaning. These are broad philosophical questions, but what I always find refreshing about Stevens is the way he brings it back to the mundane. His conclusions are ordinary, or rather, to luxuriate in ordinariness, and to begin again once the experience has been exhausted. The poem looks towards rejuvenation and rediscovery, and places an emphasis on the imagination's capacities for renewal. So that's your brief introduction to Notes Toward a Supreme Fiction. I hope you read it and enjoy it. I'll have much more to say on June 29th. Thanks for listening, and hope to see you at the conference. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait, is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.